unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time we are traveling back to 1981 to review the classic that is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, that's right. As a tenuous link to the new Star Wars spin-off, Solo, obviously another famous character established by Harrison Ford. Solo is written by Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So it's not that much of a tenuous it's link. It's not that. It's you know, there's, there's that's a, Han Solo for anybody who's not completely in the know. If that yeah. wasn't obvious, and it's one of our favourite films of all time. So you know, it was a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah. So very much looking forward to covering this, everything from um, impressive stunts. Uh, economic exposition um, iconic silhouettes iconic silhouettes the use of the word iconic that's for word bingo this time Nazi saluting monkeys uh, coulda woulda shoulda all the usual stuff but before uh, we go any further just a quick word from George on some general housekeeping we are not film professionals we are just two film loving fans there will be spoilers from, from the very off. There may be some occasional swearing and definitely some bad impressions along the way. Um, we will ramble, but we hope to entertain and occasionally inform you with some trivia tidbits. Yeah, I mean, these. this is our opinion. These are the films of our youth. That's why we're doing this podcast. Uh, George and I love these films. We love talking about them. And if, if we can do anything, maybe inspire you to go back and revisit them. If it's been anything more than two years that, since you've watched this film, watch it again. It's a great film. So, George, what are we recording on? I realize this came out in the 80s, but the film is set in the 30s. So uh, I've got um, lots of blinking and flashing knobs, some giant tape wheels. Maybe, maybe a recording device the size of a small room, yeah. I imagine. Lots of men in coats, whistling noises. Okay, let's hit it. Protected by forces beyond imagination. It is desired above all treasures on earth by those who are good, trust me, and those who are evil. I tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Raiders of the Lost Ark. A film from Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, or is it just Raiders of the Lost Ark? Does it matter? Depends on the box set you've got. Yeah, there have been a number over the years. Yes. I think I've got at least... I've definitely got some Blu-ray and DVD, so I feel like I've got a lot of discs. But I think we're both safe in the knowledge that it is a trilogy yes they only made three films yeah it's like the matrix they only made two hmm. uh sorry one <laughs> what am i thinking what? about enough enough about that as as per usual i think we'll start with having a look at who brought us this film when you watch this film what struck me was the size of the credits it is directed by steven spielberg hmm. it's almost like the credits guy knew how big a film this was going to be so some very big names george 
How did we get here? The teaser trailer on, I was watching on the DVD the other day is quite sort of bold. It just flashes up. 1975, Jaws. 1977, Star Wars. 1981, will be Indiana Jones. So, or Raiders of the Lost Ark, as they were calling it. So, it's from George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. So, for, for anyone that really doesn't know, George Lucas is the creator of Star Wars. Who is laughing, drowning in piles of $4 billion. <laughs> is, yes, who, is, uh, who recently sold, well, recently, his company, Lucasfilm, is now owned by, by Disney. But George Lucas and Steven Spielberg had been friends for years, and they were part of a collective of directors and... Uh, I think they were known as the the movie brats. So there was Scorsese, Spielberg, Brian De Palma, and George Lucas, and they were all all friends, being in film school together. And They'd help each other out. Yeah, they? they would. They would help produce each, other out. each other's films. They would. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, Coppola as well. Francis yeah. Ford Coppola or Coppola. Nick Cage's uncle. <laughs> Indeed. So yeah, they would they would help each other out. They would review each other's films and crap, get rid of it. Yeah, um, <laughs> like, like maids do. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was it was actually when George Lucas showed a rough cut of Star Wars to these guys. It was actually Spielberg was the only one that was like thought it could be something special. Yeah. So yeah, they were they were close friends, and in the seventies, George Lucas had two ideas he wanted to bring to the big screen, both based on old Saturday morning serials. You know, those sort of ever continue Saturday morning sort of adventure stories. One he wanted to do a space set one, like Flash Gordon, never going to work. And another one was about an archaeological adventure, treasure hunt type things. It's got that sort of feel in the way in the uh, the font that's used for Indiana Jones. Yeah, the way it's written is very much. Like, well, that's no, sorry, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. We keep getting confused, but the the way that the Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. is presented on the screen kind of shoots out like a, an old TV program would appear. Yeah, and they're, they're definitely going quite, for that. Going for that look. So, it's the the summer of 1977, the opening weekend of Star Wars. So, Lucas is really nervous because. Everyone's told him it's going to be an absolute flop and his career is going to be over. So he goes to escape those pressures. He goes uh, on holiday to Hawaii with his friend Steven Spielberg. So obviously the, the numbers start pouring in and... Champagne! Uh, yeah, <laughs> they start relaxing and talking about future projects. Uh, Spielberg goes, you know what, I've always wanted to do a Bond film. And Lucas goes, I've got a better idea. I've got an idea that's going to beat Bond and started telling him about this adventurer, this archaeological adventurer called Indiana Smith. And uh, <laughs> one of the first things Spielberg said was, yeah, change it to Jones. Yeah. So they started developing set pieces and ideas of what it could be, you know, based on those sort of those old school adventures with, you know, the real stunts and things like that. They brought in uh, Lawrence Kasdan, who's a script, script writer who had done a lot of work with Lucas on um, Empire Strikes Back. He went on to write Return of the Jedi. And he's also, I say, recent stuff on Star Wars, so The Force Awakens and Han Solo. I think Han Solo might be his last. I think he might be sort of effectively retiring. And where does this sit in terms of the timing? It's 1981. So they've done Star Wars. They've done Empire. Right. Um, but this is obviously before Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Amusingly, and like a lot of the films we cover, despite Spielberg and Lucas being involved, every studio turned it down, turned down the idea. They just thought it was too expensive. It was an old-fashioned idea that Mm -hmm. it just wasn't going to fly. But then eventually they sort of managed to work out a budget with Paramount and Paramount decided to back it. 
So in terms of cast, obviously I will talk about Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda later, but the Spielberg's first choice for the role was Harrison Ford. Yeah. Obviously, from the work on the Star Wars films. Well, and yeah, he. But Spielberg just thought he was, you know, he was a, f- a fantastic actor, great presence, great so presence, and, and and had that mixture of, you know, of charm, handsome, and growly voice, and and could pull off the action. But Lucas didn't want to be seen as, in his words, he didn't want to be like labelled the same way that Scorsese and Robert De Niro. He didn't want everyone to think that he was only just casting he was casting Harrison Ford and everything because Harrison Ford had been in Luke's well last three films so he'd been in American Graffiti yeah. obviously, and obviously he was Han Solo so Lucas was quite keen to distance himself to just yeah he didn't want to be seen as being predictable effectively so they actually prepared to offer the role to none other than the man with the tash Tom Selleck and there's actually on the it's on the DVD, but it'll be on YouTube. There'll, there's a screen test of Tom Selleck in the hat and leather jacket doing a screen test um, with, with his mustache. With his mustache, of course. Yeah. Um, it's part of the contract. So he was all ready to do it, but in the same way with uh, Piers Brosnan and Remington Steele, at the f- at the final hour, he was uh, drafted in. He was contractually obliged, tied into Magnum PI. Um, so they went back to, to Harrison Ford. I think Spielberg managed to convince George Lucas that he was the best person for the role. But there's, there's quite a few other interesting actors that I will talk about later on in the podcast. We can see now, obviously, that this has become you know, part of cinema's history. But in terms of the, the team who had done this, do you think they knew that they were going to go on and do you know, another film or was that based on its success? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a risky move in terms of it was an old-fashioned story mm-hmm. and whether would, would that be something that audiences were going to be into. But in terms of the actual people behind the scenes, you had, there's a lot of Star Wars association, a lot of ties between this film and Star Wars. Obviously, there's George Lucas, but there's a lot of uh, the same crew working on the sets in terms of production design, sound design. Um, they were filming at um, the same sets in London in Elstree, so Spielberg was quite excited about working in, in England for the first time. And they've got, obviously, John Williams on the music. John Williams with the the, the iconic theme music, but uh, I'm almost tempted to do the challenge of hum Superman, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones without getting muddled up. Yeah, because they all, they kind of, they do borrow from each mm. other, but they are, they're great. But, oh no, it's it hilarious. So I had, um, when I put on the DVD the other night, uh, fixing some, like a cup of tea in the kitchen, and it was just a DVD menu, and it was like, dun, 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 and I was like marching about in my kitchen, because you just can't help marching about to the Indiana Jones march. And that is very much in the same sort of uh, mood as the Saturday morning TV that we're yeah. trying to, That that's the, the sort of thing you can tell that it was a bit of wish fulfillment going on for Lucas you know this is yeah. this is what he was trying to to bring life well I think we have to start with you mentioned that Paramount picked this up there's that great screen blend of the Paramount Mountain into the scene. Yeah, and apparently um, that was something that uh, Spielberg insisted on. He thought it would be really cool. And again, I don't know if that ties into the old serials in some way, that sort of that transition. I think it was uh, producer Gary Marshall was was sent scouting all- Find me a mountain. Yeah, basically, <laughs> find me a mountain. So he spent all day driving around the island in Hawaii where they filmed. It's actually the same 
island Spielberg would go back to for Jurassic Park. Interesting. So yeah, you've got that iconic shot. And again, they I think throughout all of them, they do bring that back, don't they? In, in all the films, there's yeah. that transition. But I mean, what an opening. We, we talked about this when we covered Blade. Uh, about how good that, how strong that opening is, and how you oh, know. I think it's safe to say it'll be on many people's list as one of the greatest openings of any any film. The only thing that I think kind of tops in terms of openings, which probably gets overlooked, is Bond, because there what? is there are so many good cold open in the Bond films. But this, well, it this is in Bond films for me. It, are it the is best. a bit like a, a a Bond cold opening because the, you don't get to see his face for for a few for a few scenes. There's a big and, reveal, and apart from I suppose. Bellux in it but the actual that plot doesn't really it's not tied to the rest of the story is it it doesn't impact on the no it's, no, it's just it, it's establishing, establishing yeah. yeah establish who he is the the dangers I mean it's, and the fact that he can't speak Juvitos <laughs> speak Juvitos <laughs> um, so yeah it's, I mean it's a cracking up and you've got some great cinematography uh, cinematography is done by a British guy called uh, Douglas Slocum um, who worked uh, on Close Encounters, um, worked on a Bond film, uh, well, a unofficial Bond film, never, 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 never say never again. Sweet, like money. Uh, and he also worked on uh, loads of the Ealing comedies and the Italian job. I mean, he, uh, he had quite a career and lived to the age of 103. Wow. But yeah, he's there's some great stuff in that opening shot with the shafts of light coming through, yeah, the, through the jungle. Through yeah. the jungle. It's really atmospheric. Obviously, you've got John Williams' creeping score as they, they're going further and further into, into the jungle. But again, you know, like all those classic 80s, I forgot about how viol- the violence of the ending of this film. But from the very start, there's, there's, there's rotting skeletons. There's the bit where with Alfred Molina's traitorous uh, assistant, he gets like skewered through the neck. Yeah. Um, so for a kids film, I think it's still, uh, well, I've got the DVD here. It's still, yeah, rated as a PG. Fun for all the family. Uh, definitely tarantulas, it, snakes. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the tarantulas bit is is topped in the uh, in the second one with all oh, those I, bugs. I still struggle watching Temple of Doom. Yeah. It's a great opening scene. You've got all that action, the booby traps, the boulder. Apparently, the the sound of the boulder was captured by running a Honda Civic down a gravel path. Really? <laughs> yeah. Isn't there some link with a DuckTales episode? The, or is that an urban myth that this opening was inspired by a... No, no, there's, there's, there's a few DuckTales comics that have had, like similar sort of hunting for treasure in the Amazon and traps but that, and that like room that. and the boulder yeah. I think is, is lifted but you know yeah. it's, it's great, great it's, yeah I mean there's obviously you know there's a lot of inspiration yeah taken from those those serials from there's a uh, a Charlton Heston film called Secret of the Incas that came out in the in the 50s where he has a leather jacket and that kind of fedora hat so mm-hmm. they're, they're quite open about the influences they've taken it's the same way that you know Star Wars has yeah, taken a lot of influence from Flash Gordon because uh, Lucas couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon so he yeah. ma- made up his own space opera yeah you've got Belloc the, the rival the rival archaeologist played by Great Brit Paul Freeman do better the Jovitos don't know you the way I do Belloc yes too bad you could warn them if only you spoke Hovitos. 
Didn't really seem to. I think he did a lot of stage stuff. But Just great accents. Uh, really sounds like a French guy speaking English. <laughs> sometimes, well, I, sometimes you would know. Bit, yeah, and uh, sometimes a little bit. There's almost a little bit of German there, but it's good. It, uh, he pulls it off. I'm trying to think of what else he is in apart, apart from, from Hot Fuzz. <laughs> but yeah, I think he's quite established stage actor, and I think he's brilliant in this. Um, but there's that bit where yeah, he's um, Jones is being chased by the Hovitos natives, yeah. and Belloc's just laughing uh, is echoing through the forest. It just reminded me of Billy from Predator. That's exactly what I thought when watching this again. But in in true uh, retro ramble fashion, we get to the the univ- back to the states, back to the university to see. Dr. Jones teaching his class of admiring female students, and we get some classic economic exposition. But just because it is in college, you get schooled. This is not just exposition for the sake. Obviously, it is for the for the film, but it's it's history. You know, it's uh, you being you being given a quick history lesson to add gravitas to the overall plot and to kind of set the scene. Mm. And it's but it's it's good that they didn't start with that because you would have been like, this film looks boring. <laughs> yeah, and. And the way, I mean, yeah, it's, it's down to the, you know, the, the script by Kasdan, but it's also the way it's been delivered by Denham Elliott and by Harrison Ford. It, mm-hmm. They do, you know, they're passionate about it. And they, they, they pull it, they, they look like what you'd expect, college professors. Yeah. And, got that very, very much that look and feel. And yeah, it, it does feel, as you say, it feels authentic. But as yeah, I, I said to you beforehand, so I, you know, in all honesty, I'm, I'm quite embarrassed to say this, but I'd forgotten what actually was in the Ark of the Covenant. It was storing the uh, Ten Commandments tablets. Yeah. But, so essentially, the Ark is a holy storage container. Yeah, and that's why it belongs in an Amazon warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> then we see Indy at home sporting an amazing smoking jacket. I want one. And I watched this with my wife and she was like, you need one. I was mm. like, yeah, but who? what would people say if I answered the door on that? You, and you need to start smoking as well. Uh, he's, yeah, is he smoking when he's wearing it? Hmm? Possibly. I don't know, he just looks amazing in it. But Does ha- he smoke in this? No, I can't remember seeing him I kind of fell in love with Harrison Ford all over again in this film because he looks great in everything. Obviously, he looks great completely disheveled with mm-hmm. um, but he looks fantastic when in the smoking jacket when you see him getting on the uh, the airplane he's in this amazing double-breasted blazer and he just looks and he's, he's obviously traveling so he has to dress up smart and he's in it's in again at the end when he's leaving the you know, city to, hall or whatever yeah it is. with uh, Marion they both look and it that's kind of reminds you mm. of, of the period that it's in because throughout this film a lot of it is you know they're in the desert so the the costumes yes it is obviously 30s but but you know yeah. they have to. You have to dress a certain way when you're in, in the desert, mm. and that's still true today. So you kind of forget the time yeah. that it's set in, almost in certain parts of the film. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the the look of the the leather jacket and the hat, they they talk about this in the documentary. The sort of the lengths that they went to to basically they were buying these brand new leather jackets to age them to make them look like they've been through yeah. through the years and like scratching them and cutting them and getting like wire brush and the, getting the hat and twisting it and making it look properly lived in. Definitely. What's it called? It's not, it's a rancher's hat. What's it called again? It's fedora. There's a specific type of fedora. That he... well, apparently it's a famous hat shop in Savile Row, London. Oh, we'll have to pop down there and get one. Exactly. Uh, so we've had the economic exposition. The US government needs you to go after and get this arc because if you don't, the Nazis are going to get them because yeah. Hitler's obsessed with the occult, which was all true. Yes. 
He was insane. He was a he was a crazy Nazi yeah. bastard. Um, then you get you know obviously the, again something that they've taken from from the old serials, but something that's now iconic to Indiana Jones is the the traveling red line around the map. You know, <laughs> obviously saves on budget. Yeah. Um, but also educates you know those audiences of where the hell of the world is he going? How exotic is you know? Yeah. How far he is traveling. Do they do that in any Bond film? I'm just trying to think. Quite it's, sort of unique to Indiana Jones. Yeah, you just rem- I just remember it very much featuring, and it's back in. It's in all three films, isn't it? Yeah. obviously because it's so mm. so good, so iconic. So then he travels to Nepal to uh, get the staff from Abner Ravenwood and encounters his daughter Marion. Yes, and let's explain in the Me Too movement, George. <laughs> Yes. I was only a child. So yeah. they, they obviously met. This is the reason why he doesn't get yeah. on with Abner. Yeah, so, so there's the line. I've written it down. I was a child. I was in love. It was wrong and you knew it. And he says to her, you were old enough. You knew what you were doing. So I, I think, think an independent and, and inquiry. I think, I think it's been, they say she hasn't seen him for 10 years. Yeah. So, so we're thinking teen, she was 16, maybe 15, 16. And the reason that Abner fell out with yeah, Jones. I think I think the writing's on the wall, but you know, let's not judge him. It was the thirties. <laughs> it was it was <laughs> it was the thirties. So, I mean, this is a great scene full of iconic moments. You've got that silhouette of seeing him. You know, that silhouette of the hat as um, he enters. Yeah, as he enters, you've got well, that's Spiel, the Spielberg magic. That not only is he storyboarded and got the plot, got the script, and put it all together with the sound effects, he knows how to to make mm. it stunning. But that's it. It's become that silhouette has become iconic. You, mm. you know, you know who it is now. It's, yeah. And I think it's, you know, some people call it the man in the hat. Yeah. Obviously, the, na- the Nazis turn up and ruin everything. <laughs> um, as they do. As they do. Uh, the, the very evil Nazi hair tote, or, or, which also would go on to inspire hair lip from the League of Gentlemen. He is brilliant. He's so... It's not even so, hammy. It, it comes it, well, across as hammy. I, I've, but... I've put down, he's hissable. He's a hissable bad guy. He's yeah. so evil incarnate he's creepy he's slimy yeah and yeah the the guy Ronald Lacey was a relatively unknown actor who had given up acting at the time yeah. and he'd become an acting agent and it was actually I don't know how the casting director managed to get, show his you know uh, work to, to Spielberg and he was like yeah because he Can wanted, anyone do an evil German Nazi <laughs> accent? Apparently, he reminded him of uh, Peter Lorre or Peter Law, who's a um, a German actor from the 1930s that pl- played lots of played bad guys. <laughs> Yeah, lots of bad guys. Good evening, Fräulein. You and I were talking about this uh, beforehand. Is is the sound effects this film is amazing and it's you know it's it's the same it's Ben Burt who did the sounds for Star Wars and just the gunshots are really when cool. that guy goes nuts with the MP44 and you can just you can almost feel the vibration as he's going around yeah. the room but and obviously I think it's actually quite accurate because if you look at where it's set mm. it's a big stone it's a room echoey room with stone floors and, so and stone walls rick- ricochets so you've got all the ricochet pew 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 and yeah. it's um no it's and a the, great the, fight and the one thing uh, it reminded me of which is obviously because it's been inspired by Indiana Jones was it made me want to play Uncharted again oh yes there's so much and obviously we'll get to talk about what goes on in act three with the uh, the 
the truck scene, we'll yes. call it. Um, but yeah, that, that, that is the only thing that's come close to doing, that's the only thing that, that's enabled us to actually reenact a sort of Indiana Jones sort of thing in our games like the Uncharted mm. series. And I've noticed there is a scene where, in this scene in, in Nepal, in the gun battle, he clip, Indiana Jones does a headshot. He shoots a guy point like in in the head, and you see the bullet hole and blood pouring out this guy's head. Yeah. Again, folks, this is a PG film. Yeah. Headshot. Fun for all the family. Mm -hmm. And there's there's also get where he's just about to get shot, and Marion shoots the guy, and the blood comes out of his mouth. Yeah. He's like, okay, okay. There's there's, there, there's a lot of violence. But there's the Spielberg gags as well, where he's like, pass me the whiskey, and you've got the flame coming along the bar, and you've got the the, the tote, tote picking up the um the burning his amulet. Is yeah, that it, that what it is? Yeah. And burning burning it into his arm. Yeah. Um, and his acting is brilliant because it, it makes him even more dislikable when yeah. you see him in that. And then more more globe trotting, more 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 things on a map because we go to Cairo, yes. which is in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, for um, so this was actually filmed in Tunisia, yeah, um, because through the storyboarding they established the the actual the locations guy goes so we don't need to feature the pyramids or the sphinx well we don't need to film in egypt then yeah so it's a lot cheaper to to film in in tunisia and i'm Ob guessing that george lucas had some contacts from Ob his work on star wars yeah so obviously they filmed a lot of the tatooine stuff for star wars in tunisia so i say it's the same crew so it just made sense for them However, for the shots of the, the city of Cairo, what they actually had to do, the production crew, they had to basically remove any TV aerials that were in shot when they were, so when they were first <laughs> at Salah's apartment, they're overlooking the city, yeah. and they had to take down somewhere between two to 300 TV antennas. Wow. To make it, to make it period, obviously. Yeah. Because obviously this is the days before CGI. Yeah, and today they'd just yeah. erase it, wouldn't they? But so we've got uh, a bit of a set piece coming up. We're introduced to a bad guy. Well, How so do we, we know he's a bad guy? Because he's got an eye patch <laughs> and an evil monkey. And he thought that monkey's awesome. Um, but we've, I've, I've mentioned Salah, so uh, played by the brilliant uh, Jonathan Reese davies who's such a great actor, such an iconic voice. Mm -hmm. I used to get confused between him and Brian Blessed, to be honest, when I was... Well, they both got very deep voices. And beards. And, and beards. <laughs> Go to new feature, uh, Monkey Magic. Mon monkey Magic or Monkey Monthly. <laughs> monkey Moments Monthly. Yes. Um, so, yes. We've you've... talked about monkeys a few times on the podcast. If you haven't heard it, check out God Gremlins, Predator. Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Monkey, monkeys being used for stunts and failing miserably has come up a lot. So, George, what is it this time? So, um, obviously, the one of the great gags, I mean, as you say, there's loads of gags throughout this film, but one of the gags in this film is uh, the monkey that does the, the Hitler salute. That is amazing. It does the Zeke Heil. It gets me every time because you always forget about it. And apparently it took 50 takes <laughs> um, and it was achieved by dangling a grape on some fishing wire so the monkey was reaching up to grab it. <laughs> and apparently it was filmed by uh, George Lucas, that, that shot. So yeah, you've got a great action sequence going through the markets of Cairo. Yeah, the masked goons turning up. Some great uh, stunt choreography. Got that infamous moment with Indiana versus the, the evil swordsman. 
Yep. Um, so in case you don't know, but it's one of the, the most famous film anecdotes, there was originally supposed to be a very long choreographed fight between Indiana Jones and the swordsman. The, with, the, the swordsman the, in black. The swordsman in black and Indiana Jones and his whip. But at the time, because they're in Tunisia, all the crew, except for Steven Spielberg, who was eating everything, nothing but canned food, <laughs> um, got ill. They got food poisoning. So on that day, Harrison Ford and the stunt team all had <laughs> really bad diarrhea. So Harrison Ford suggested, he's like, well, why don't I just shoot him? Yeah. Um, which is obviously, again, one of the, the best jokes in, in the entire series. Does he try to do it in one of the other films and he doesn't have his gun or is it in this yeah, film? Yeah, no, it's in, it's in uh, Temple of Doom. Yeah, he tries to uh, do the same thing. He, he reaches yeah. for his gun and his gun's missing. So that's, that's another good yeah good no, play it's, on it. it's a great guy and then there's the uh, so we think that uh, after the sort of the long chase we think that he's accidentally killed Marion stakes are raised the stakes are raised he has that confrontation with Belloc you and I are not so different Dr. Jones <laughs> <laughs> but then we quickly get into the the well of souls and that, that whole digging sequence yeah because I think what's good about that Cairo scene to begin with is it's establishing the friendship between Salah and, uh, and Indy and um, it's also um, establishing more of that's the thing there's, there's great character work in this obviously there's there's the banter between Marion and and Indy as you say there's a relationship between Salah and obviously Salah comes back in um, Last Crusade yeah but you've also got yeah this ongoing sort of rivalry with Balak and I think Balak a, a, a really good well-rounded character as well it's a good sort of like mirror image of of uh, Indiana yeah the light and the dark and that's mm. why I think the opening works so well because they they set it up at the beginning that l hunting for archaeological finds could be dangerous you know mm. maybe not so much now but and that's what they do that there are stakes and that you have you know there's this competition mm. and there's value that people will kill for mm. and so it's, it's it's natural to have but i did what i do like in this film and i think that's why you like belloc's character is that he, like Indy, he's in it for the artifact. Yes, yeah. he's working with the Nazis, but he's kind of got you got the, you get the feeling that he's got the same ideology as it were. Yeah, uh, for he, finding the well, there's that great. He's uh, very passionate about yeah, it. Yeah, there's that great uh, line in this confrontation where he says, you know. This watch I bought for t for ten dollars, but I bury it in the sand. A thousand years later, it becomes priceless. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's them, it's them trading trading blows, but showing mm. that they both. Indy doesn't go into that. You can see there's different sides of the same coin. Indy does. He's like, no, just blow everything belongs in a museum. Whereas Belloc's coveting it. He wants. He, he wants, wants the glory. For, he wants the glory and mm. he wants the money, sort of thing. And he's so, got the backing of the Führer. Exactly. Speaking of the backing of the Führer, we've got. The, the the excavation team which is the amount of extras you and I both talked about this the it's scale insane. and scope of you're, you're talking about f hundreds of people working in three different times of the day and again like the antennas today's it would probably be a lot of those crowds would be CGI oh absolutely and we get introduced to Dietrich Dietrich who is a great Nazi with great Nazi uniform and boots and uh, he's the man on the ground he's there's something about him that strikes me very much like one of the commanders out of the off the ships in Star Wars yes he's, he's exactly he's, very bureaucratic yes and carrying out the Fuhrer's orders um, and then we get to see uh, Tote Herr Tote is back wearing full black Gestapo outfit including leather jacket in the blistering sun the uniform is not optional those Nazis were stylish bastards <laughs> bastards but stylish bastards all the same but then you I've noticed um, I think it's a bit of an error on his part but you've got the bit where um 
Indiana's discovered the the true location of the Well of Souls, and he's dressed as an Arab. But come sunset, he gets rid of it, and again we get to see that iconic silhouette. Puts the hat back on in the, in the in the sunset. Yeah, yeah in the sunset great. again. It's an iconic shot. But surely the nice is like that's Indiana Jones. <laughs> I, I know I know that silhouette. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, again, why did it have to be snakes? You've got the, the great sort of um, the Well of Souls scene, which, which apparently required uh, 5,000, between five and 7,000 snakes. They ended up throwing in bits of like hose pipe to, to add more bulk, because originally they got 1,000 snakes and Spielberg was like, this isn't enough because the set they designed was so big. So they had they got basically sourced snakes from across the UK. It's insane that, isn't it? I mean, and also and didn't one of the one of the snakes ate one of the others or killed one of the others? There was a, Yeah, and apparently the uh, there the was cobras killing adders and uh, stuff. the assistant director got bitten and calmly said, "Can somebody please snap uh, snap the a snake's tail because he'll release his bite and like um, because they're not poisonous yeah um, but this guy completely knew what to do and was just like yep yeah, can you please just give it a quick tap and it'll release and and it did but that great scene where indiana falls down and comes face to face with that uh, cobra yeah you can actually if you look carefully you can actually see there's a bit of glass there's a tiny bit of reflection between ford and the snake i've tried to look for this before because you yeah. told me about this and i couldn't see it so maybe there's I mean, maybe it's been maybe the version i watched because i watched this on blu-ray might have been corrected bloody lucas and his edits that <laughs> was there a forced ghost in the background <laughs> anakin skywalker but that's a great scene real heft to all of the things that are going on when he's like moving the statues, you know, when, when they're lifting the top and the, you know, they're looking for everything. Yeah, There's the real archeology, span that's the sort of James Bond link I was gonna make that when he's looking in the map room and doing all that, you kind of get the feeling it's like James Bond doing the spy work. It's yes. like him doing his job sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, as there, there is- Making archeology span sexy. Sexy archeology. span <laughs> um, Yeah, obviously there is a lot of James Bond influences and that's, you know, obviously goes on in Last Crusade that they get James Bond to be as father yeah which we will cover at one point because i have this weird relationship with the indiana jones films in that i think that raiders of the lost ark is one of the best films of all time but the last crusade is my favorite indiana jones film i would say that probably, it's a weird it's a weird way to look pro- at it probably but it's maybe prob- it's about enjoyment probably you know? because it's got connery yeah, in it, and it's, no, but it's, also seeing Indi- indiana jones seeing harrison ford play the son to yeah to james it, bond even though there's 15 years between them yeah it's it's brilliant yeah i think it was a very hard decision for us to which one we were going to go but yeah pick but for. we will get to it we no, will get to it obviously no, no one's going to pick temple of doom or <coughs> crystal skull i don't know what you're talking about so anyway we're back in the desert surrounded by nazis the great scene of good sort of banter between marion and belloc that whole drinking contest and it's showing that she's you know she's a feisty character she's a really she's planning her escape she's planning her escape she's quite a drinker um, <laughs> she can hold her booze she can hold the booze she, she, she can get, hold her own she gets violent with a knife yeah but yeah i think it's you know she's a great character whereas if you look at you know um there's a lot there's a lot to like in temple of doom and there's a lot of fun but the one that I think uh, most people agree, the female character, I think she's called Willie Scott, is one of the most annoying characters in it. Marion, she's really likable. She's She feels like well-rounded. Yes, she she is a damsel in distress at times, but 
she does hold her own. She, I used to, when because obviously we were very young and watched this films, but I used to get confused between, obviously, I've mentioned John Rhys-Jones and Brian Blessed out of Flash Gordon. And it was the same with... You got her mixed up with Brian Blessed? No, uh, <laughs> I got, uh, is it Karen, what's it? She's Karen Allen. Karen Allen with Mar- Mar- uh, with the one from Superman. Is it Mar- oh, Mar- Margaret Kidder? But I used to get confused between Lois Lane from Superman and because they I had brown so. long hair. I and can I was, see that. Yeah, it's a bit like my confusion also, of, of, of Kurt Russell and uh, Patrick Swayze. That's Both probably more understandable. Amazing great, hair. Amazing hair. But the, the, it was. The, I think it's the feisty angle. The fact that Lois is getting herself in trouble, but is feisty, and, and it's a similar type of archetype yeah. that she's yeah. kind of playing. Yeah, I that that feisty brunette. Yeah. But her, the use of her, just like to say, the, the way that she gets passed around in this film is... Well, that's it. Like, so it's like, I will take the girl. The girl is mine. The yeah. girl was never part of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> this deal's getting worse all the time. <laughs> the Fuhrer can have the arc, but I need the girl. Yeah. So Belloc, yeah. he's not weird. Oh, what? This? It's a wedding dress. I've, I've just... <laughs> Well, you know, we're in the middle of the desert, but I've got you this dress. I've got some wine, cheese, uh, grapes, yeah. and a wedding dress. Uh, so <laughs> shit's going to get weird. <laughs> she just goes with it like a good girl. Yeah. You've got that great gag of uh, Tote appearing with his, looks like it's going to be an instrument of death, but it's some actually Some sort of bondage device. Tra- travel coat hanger. I really need to get myself one of those. Yeah, I want to see you assemble that and <laughs> get in trouble for it. Just, just do it in the office. Yeah. But yeah, apparently that was a gag. I, I've never seen it, but um, Spielberg did a, a, a period comedy that was a massive flop called 1941, and that was a gag carried out by none other than Christopher Lee. But because that film, not many people saw that film, and it was a bit of a, a flop. Spielberg loved that joke and and re, you know reused it for for this film. Just as well. like us, we reuse jokes if we like them. M- monkey magic. Yeah, just use it. Yeah. We're getting into one of the best sort of act threes. This is a kind of act one, act two, and then act threes, isn't it? It's a very long act three. Or how would you... Yeah, no, I, I was thinking that. I literally just watched it yesterday. So the Nazis get the... It's, it all ramps up. The Nazis get the Ark. Yes. And he gets trapped inside. Yes, they, they lock him in, in the tomb. With Marion. With Marion. Because skele- she's no longer part of the deal. The, there's the skeletons, the snakes, the snakes coming out of the skeletons. Don't be scared. <laughs> it's very terrifying. So yeah, Indiana escapes and sees that they're going to put the Ark on a plane. Yeah. And it's not just any plane, it's a apparently called a flying wing. So these um the the plane was designed and built specially for this film. It, what? It was based on German prototypes uh from from the Second World War. So apparently they did exist, but it was built by uh Vickers. Wow. From uh, from down the road Newcastle. Lake. Down the road Newcastle. Yeah, those military shady military contractors. What are they building in there? Not allowed to see. So yeah, you've got this great set piece of this rotating plane. You've Indiana Jones taking taking hits from the huge stuntman. Yeah, get us a nice big blonde Aryan looking, you know, Nazi. Yeah, and it's, he's fighting like I said to you, like an archaeologist. There's no his fighting style is. It, it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. He's 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 trying to run away. He is having his ass handed to him. Yeah, got Marion stuck in the plane. You've got fuel spilling out. The flames are getting closer. The stakes are rising. The, what do the kids need, George? A John Williams soundtrack. No, they need to see a guy 
I get chopped up by a propeller and blood going more ev- blood everywhere. You don't get to see it; you just get to hear it, <laughs> and the blood go everywhere. It's a kids' film. It's a kids' film. They take out the plane, so the Nazis decide to put the Ark on some trucks. Yeah, we'll just drive it out. And this is the first time the Indiana Jones theme the march properly kicks in isn't it yeah and obviously we talked about the fact that williams is part of this but he made a number of uh obviously there was different but he had a a number of themes in his mind didn't he a bit like alan silvestri had a few tracks he's got these three sample tapes (laughs) but yeah so we get that introduced and i have to say that watching this again recently and every time i watch this I get goosebumps or I get excited when this... When I, I know what's coming, but when it gets to this bit... I think it's, it's one of the greatest action scenes ever, ever done. I think it's better than anything we see in Bond. I think it's so well choreographed. They, they, you can see in the behind the scenes how much they've storyboarded it in terms of all the different bits that happens. He's on the truck, he's out the truck, he's, you know, it's... Underneath the truck. Underneath the truck. What an insane stunt that is. Vince Armstrong. Vince Armstrong, uh, Vic Armstrong. Vic Armstrong, uh, is, is one of uh, the stuntmen, but I think it was a different stuntman that does the one where he goes underneath. That's insane. Uh, underneath the truck and then out the back. Yeah. But you've also see, you can see Harrison Ford is, obviously, you know, he's... There's lots of safety precautions, but he's hanging on the side of the truck. He's hanging, his legs are on either side of the wheel. Yeah. And for fact fans out there, because we know you are out there, there was a, it was compiled by, I watched this a few years ago, I don't know if you saw it, but it was the best stunts of all time. And this is number two. What, this is is Spy Who Loved Me. Um, no, it's not. Union it's, Jack. No, it's not that. It's actually much, much further back. It's a silent film, and I oh, think it's one it, of the Buster but, Keaton. Yeah, probably, where, where the, the build, house falls. Where on the him. house, the building falls on top of him, and, and he, he's in the doorway. Yeah, and because Fair he enough. did it, you know, and where a cinema was back then. But this is number two, quite rightly, the under the truck. Sequence. Yeah, and and we talked about it earlier, um, but obviously, as you know, uh, Charlie and I, mainly Charlie, is uh, you oh, know we're big we're, gamers. We're we're big yeah. gamers and one of my favourite games of all time is Uncharted 2 yeah Among uh, Thieves yeah. Uh, and you they basically you know obviously it takes a lot of inspiration it is like a modern day Indiana Jones but you do get to basically do this set piece jump from truck to truck and from, you have from to, a horse yeah from a horse onto a truck and then you have to get to and the trucks are being shot and they're basically the, the dialogue in the game tells you that the truck's going to explode and you think it only happens once yeah. and you actually have to jump on about five or six or seven and they repeat it throughout the franchise and it's a very loving nod to Indiana Jones so it's some serious wish fulfillment from anybody out there yeah I think, I, think, I think it's the closest thing you'll get to sort of yeah I, I don't I, I know there's Indiana Jones games out there I don't there are, there are yeah <laughs> but yeah for me Uncharted uh, you know two and th- three is good. I still have yet yet to play. Four's great. Four's and great. I've just done the uh, the Lost Legacy, which uh, just has the Chloe, the two chicks. Yeah, Chloe Fraser and the Nadine from the fourth film. And it's a great story, but you can tell it's been built using the, the exact same engine as Uncharted Four. Right. So it's not so much progression, but it's just nice to have another story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all archaeological puzzles and stuff. And this has all come from the success of Indiana Jones. Yeah. But there's obviously they've been trying to get an Uncharted film off the ground for some time. They don't need to. But leave it where it is. It's like Last of Us. Don't make a film of Last yeah, of Us. You know, I the, think they're the, going to. They're, they're cinematic enough anyway. And yeah. yeah, those they take their inspiration from films like this. But but anyway, we're we're digressing. Yeah. So he gets the arc. 
he pushes the Nazis off the road, he gets the truck, he beats the other big blonde Aryan guy who's yeah. punching him. I love in. that bit where he's punching him in his bullet wound. It's like, hey, you more like blood. That. Yeah, more blood. And yeah, so he, he gets the Ark. He gets the Ark, he gets on a boat. But then says goodbye to Salah, so he just goes off singing rant to some random sailors and has a night out with a bunch of strangers. Well, you know, you would do. But, uh, then those pesky Nazis turn up in their shitting submarine. Fucking Nazis ruining everything again. Fact fans, in this the submarine it was actually borrowed from the makers of Das Boot. Ah, right, that's a great film. Great film. Very long, but great yeah. film. Very sweaty. Yeah. So, yes, the Nazis turn up. They're fighting over the girl again. Yes. Uh, and, <laughs> and Dietrich comes out with some great line. What where he it? says to, to the black captain, Savage, you're in no position to negotiate. Yeah, well, that's what the Nazis would have been like with him. And we've both noticed this. One of the crew members is none other than Chocolate Mousse. From 1980 film uh, Top Secret. Or? Yes, one of, uh, one of the greatest uh, spoof comedy films ever made of all time uh, we may f- cover it at some point but it we'll might just, just tell you to watch it because it might just be Charlie and I just quoting a film yeah no I mean that is it's one of the funniest it's that an aeroplane funniest yeah. spoof films you'll see so yeah it was good to see he ch- pops up in it <laughs> chocolate mousse then we yeah quickly get to the nazi submarine base island just off greece yeah that's an interesting setup that's very star warsy which you know, i think was a, a real u-boat there's hangar. so many of these bases that you don't know about because obviously i went they to were... one in uh, croatia it was quite creepy well, well no but because of what's going on in the news at the moment about certain ice caps melting in greenland there's like an ex uh, there's an old naval base that was going to launch nukes at Russia, and now the ice caps are melting. That you know, there's it's actually coming above. Oh right. So there's all these. The, we don't realise all of the naval bases because obviously they're top secret. So yeah. yeah, it doesn't surprise me that these places actually did exist. Again, another great sight gag of Jones is is knocked out and a Nazi soldier, Nazi henchman, and stealing his uniform, but the uniform doesn't fit for once. Exactly, and this is obviously from them watching many war films. You know, yeah. both Lucas and you know, what about? He gets, you know, in all of these films, it's a perfect fit. So yeah. it, it's a great gag. And the fact that he gets called up on it, he gets told off because he's not looking smart. But then he manages, the guy who's telling him off, manages to be a perfect fit. Yeah, exactly. So he, get, he gets what he needs. I think they do it quite well in, uh, in Austin Powers, actually. <laughs> but it's a really fat, tall person. <laughs> Fits them perfectly. The Nazis are take, testing out the arc. Yeah, you know, to make sure it works for the Fuhrer. Yeah, and there's the the Indies bluff where he threatens to to blow it up with the uh, the RPG. The, the yeah, the bazooka. And another fact, fans, I say this. You know, there's a lot of Star Wars references. It's the same valley where R two D two is captured by the Jawas. Excellent, nice bit of trivia there. Oh, and man. also, I like what uh, the Gestapo tote is doing. That when. Uh, he goes hello with the with the RPG and they all turn around I love that what um, Tote does he just like looks up at him and goes ah, and just sits down like and, oh, and, right. and like, he just mops that. his head as if like well, this is going to slow us down. He's, yeah. not, he's not at all threatened by Jones. He's just like, what's he going to do? Yeah. Um, it's like he's almost read this. And it, it's, it's just that little, shows a bit of acting, you know, something yeah. off camera or out of shot. And again, it's, it's that great, it's a great standoff between him and Belloc. It's the, you, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't blow up such an important archaeological yeah, fact. Yeah, he, he, he calls his bluff. And yeah. it's that, that great line from Belloc, you know? We'll insert it. I'll insert you.
Indiana, we are simply passing through history. This, this is history. So then we get to the the light show. Oh my god! <laughs> when they they open the ark and one, still one of the most terrifying scenes in in cinema. To be honest, though, right? I think we were scared a little bit, but we watched this. I can remember rolling about on the floor, giggling with the Glendinnings and Co. at this part of the film because we thought it was so funny. I think it was our way of dealing with the fear. It was just like I'm melting, I'm melting, my face is what melting. Is the it's so over the top. The fact is like. <laughs> Like face is melting. They all but, just but, they, and, then, and then they explode. Bellock's head just explodes into pink dust. And then they all explode. But and, it's brilliant effects. And it, the music as well. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And it, and how did they, they did it? It was a mixture of filming underwater. Mannequins and, underwater, apparently, and, and for, for the ghostly apparitions. It literally was smoke and mirrors. But uh, it looks amazing. And that bit with the, the, the lines coming out. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's a great great camera effect yeah it's it's shocking it's it's terrifying and it's a great ending but jones knows what's to do he close your eyes yeah don't look don't look at it and she and she i mean that must be pretty hard to do with all that noise going on but and then the lid falls on it perfectly very perfectly it's like a, an act of god almost so india saved the day but he hasn't actually done anything <laughs> yeah he's got the ark back he's got the ark back he found the ark he found the ark that's the only thing he does because you yeah. can as we talked about before you can kind of remove him from the plot because the, the, the nazis will still get their comeuppance by opening the ark yeah but yeah the fact is he finds he, it he finds it and he gets it back two americans to put it in a museum oh no 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 the american government have their, their top men Top yeah. men working on it. And it gets put where it should be, in an Amazon it, store. In the, in the Amazon warehouse. Which will be delivered to someone one day by accident, I'm sure. The one thing we didn't talk about, because it always... I couldn't work out what was going on when the... It's burning. Yeah, it burns the emblem off. Because no, it was something to do with good and evil or something. I think that was the point of it. Or it didn't want to be... Because I, I was going to say... didn't want to wear, well, the, wear how, the Nazi insignia. Because how, how come is it not burning in the Amazon warehouse? Is that because there isn't any insignias? We need to call up, uh, you know, because Jeff Bezos and ask him if there have been any fires. I mean, uh, I know we, we, wouldn't, we said we wouldn't really talk about it, but... Hypothetically, if there was a fourth film, isn't the opening of that in the, is that the same warehouse? Have Don't, you only seen it? I haven't seen this. This film you speak of does not exist. <laughs> does not. I, I honestly, I, if I had, if let's say hypothetically, I had seen. If there fourth, was a fourth if film. If there was a fourth film I and had you seen, seen it, it, I don't remember the scene. Because I poured salt in my eyes. Yeah, I think I would rather, you know, yeah. But I'm pretty sure. It does. It does feature that. There is this, I actually now remember from the, the trailer of this hypothetical, if there was a film... There's that fan-made trailer. And there was a fan-made trailer, I think I can remember there being a scene involving some... Anyway, the anyway, less said about that... So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's an interesting ending, because it's essentially saying the American government are... American, Can't be trusted. <laughs> yeah, Indy saved the day, but yeah, the, the government have double-crossed them. Well, it's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is it's to say protecting that... protecting our country. Yes, exactly. That's what it's about. But the arc is a, a weapon of unspeakable power and that um, it's, what, what it's will a, it do it will melt everything it's a transmitter transmitter <laughs> I mean that guy's English it's a brilliant thing he like goes from French to German it's like transmitter talking to God what a film I watched this with my wife and we both agreed that this 
is I think in terms of word bingo today, the word we've used the most is iconic. But this is uh, an iconic warm blanket. Every time you put this film on, maybe it's a generational thing, or you know, we are reviewing the films of our youth. But when this film is just everybody, it's like Back to the Future. But, but, this this film is. But, such but a- like Back to the Future, I think probably one of the reasons why it holds up is because it's a period piece. Yeah, and it's still. If you look at some of the Bond films, which were their their action films for the, for their time, and they were out at the same time. Yeah, they they Bond was quite established. S- s- some of them have have aged badly, and the pacing's off. I mean, as much as I love Goldfinger, it's baggy in places. It's it's whereas this film plods along. The the action choreography is, I say, is is so well done. It's really hard to find a fault with this film. If you have got faults with this film just call us now we're live on air give us a call not a single light on the on the nobody's calling what's going on hang on did (laughs) did we give out the right number maybe it's uh but i remember i went and saw this uh there was a showing at the grand palais that's the the big conservatory like building on the champs elysees and uh it's this glorious you know in very lit building they have loads of exhibitions in there and it was like an open air cinema of and went to see Raiders that was three years ago enjoyed it then watched it recently at home and yeah every time it's like it's what people say this film's on telly you come across this on a channel it's like well any you know I'm gonna watch this interestingly Spielberg says in in the documentary that it's one of his films a few films that he can look at objectively like he can just sit back and actually enjoy and he's not he's not worried about I should have done this yeah. should have done that yeah he's he's just like no I can sit back and I can, I can enjoy it you know everything sort of falls together is that, who's, who's that at the door is that Celine I think it's Celine <laughs> Coulda, woulda, shoulda. For, so for Salah, played by the brilliant uh, Jonathan Rhys Davies, apparently Spielberg's first choice was Danny DeVito. He could have pulled it off. Could have pulled it off. Um, but uh, ironically, Danny DeVito would go to play a sort of, well, I don't know if it's a similar character in Indiana Jones' ripoff, Romancing the Stone. Yeah. In terms of Indiana, we've obviously talked about the Tash, Tom Selleck. But other people under consideration, some really interesting names here. So uh, Nick Nolte. Yes. That, he, I think he was growly enough. <laughs> Interestingly, but I think could could done a good job. Steve Martin. That would have been an interesting choice. You could see him doing yeah. it. Yeah. Chevy Chase. Yeah, but nah, he would have been, he would have probably been like the Roger Moore of option. Yeah. You know, it would have, it probably wouldn't have had the same gravitas. And here's a bit of a, a left field one, maybe too evil. Jack. Jack Nicholson. Yes, yeah, suppose it's he would have not. Been. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I'm just retcon Jack Nicholson into <laughs> all of our films. Imagine him as like Doc. <laughs> when, <laughs> when this baby gets to 88, you're gonna see some serious shit. <laughs> we just want Jack Nicholson. Just get Jack in there, just with with sunglasses, obviously. <laughs> Uh, this, uh, the sunglasses come with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> coulda, woulda, shoulda. That's coulda, woulda, shoulda. 
I think we've kind of said everything we want to say. Is that we were desperate to do this film. It's a very big film. We we look at what's going on in the world. We try and tie this tenuously into what's what's out of the cinema because we're still consuming films. We're still lovers of of film. And with with Solo coming out, yes, you know Harrison Ford has been involved in that film. He had a chat with the. He went out to lunch with the guy who plays... Alden Ehrenreich. However you pronounce his silly name. Um, he went out for lunch with him and he, and he explained, this is what makes... This is what George Lucas told me before I started filming mm. Han Solo back in the 70s. So, you know, he's very much a part of this uh, Solo. And you know, it'll be interesting to see, because I think, you know, we, we've talked about what are the reasons why this film is, is such a classic, has, you know, stood the test of time. You've got... Obviously, the, the excellent production values, you've talent behind the camera in terms of of Lucas, of Spielberg, of all that, you know... The, Kazdan, Williams... No, but that's yeah, it, yeah. it's that script. The best stunt people, the best yeah. ILM. You but, got. Yeah, going back to, to Kazdan, I mean, he hasn't done a huge amount, but he's very good, at, as I say, at that almost 1930s, 40s screwball sort of bickering banter that works so well in, in Empire Strikes Back, works so well in this. And yes, yeah, so I'll be interesting to see how, you know, how Solo turns out in terms of that script. And well, we've talked about this. I think it's going to do and that's better what, than people are expecting after the... We've had this initial knee-jerk, I can't believe that they are going back and going back to Solo. We've talked about how we think it would be much better if they'd done Kenobi with uh, our friend Ewan McGregor. Mm. But... They're doing it, and I think it's probably going to work. Well, interestingly, one of the reasons, as many people may know, so Solo was originally directed by uh, Lord and Miller, the director that did the Jump Street movies and the Lego movie, um, So, which everyone thought was a bit of a weird choice, but they're saying you know, it was obviously going to be an action film with, with comedy elements. But they were fired, essentially, for deviating too much from Lawrence Castan's script. They were trying to do too much improvisation on set. Right. And Kathleen Kennedy, who actually worked on, on Raiders as associate to Mr. Spielberg. So Kathleen Kennedy is now head of, of Lucasfilm. We talked about when we were talking about the Goonies. And Back to the Future. Yep. So yeah, she, she essentially had them fired. And I think Kazdan, obviously because of his involvement with Star Wars throughout years, still has a lot of clout there as well. So and Quite rightly so. Yeah. You know? Well, that's it. You've got to be passionate of, uh, you know, protect your, your work. So then, that was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, next time we will be back with da, 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 da. that is true we are going back to the island again again uh, to do the original Jurassic Park because it's 25 years this yes. year 25th and anniversary and obviously to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom will be in cinemas around the same so time so we'll nicely tie it into that and so, another Spielberg joint yeah, absolutamente. It's not like we've got a hard-on for the guy. The guy just makes a lot of good films. A lot of blockbusters. So, um, I've been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. And we're off to do something terrible. Buy a monkey and some grapes and a fishing wire. And get that monkey to do a Nazi <laughs> so you can dance, monkey dance. Okay.